kind of as a guideline for us as we seek to get our thoughts to the place where they need to be. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. And so we want to get you to the place where your mind can be in a very great and safe space in order for you to create a place that is conducive to your spiritual growth. So let's pray really quickly, and then we're going to dive into the next part of this. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your son. Lord, we pray that you would meet us here as we seek to dive into your word, to get to know you better so that we can know ourselves better, and we can be the kind of people that can live victorious Christian lives, and we'll give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name we pray, and we're thankful. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. We already looked at the first two words in that verse. It says, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest. And the best way we said last week for you to not be deceived by a lie is the, the truth, right? And so knowing the truth is going to be able to help you to not be deceived, right? Not be deceived. And that's what we need to make sure that we know. But today we're going to look at the next word um, in it, and that's the word just. That's the word just. We're, getting, we're given this in Philippians, right? Paul writes to us in Philippians, uh, and he says, okay, these are, this is what you need to be thinking on in order to have a good, structured mindset that's not going to be able to be swayed in the wrong direction. He says you need to know what's true, and you need to know what's honest, all right? But now you need to be dwelling on what's just. The word just literally translates to equitable in character or act, innocent, holy, or righteous, I think those definitions are spot on because they give us a very well-rounded view of the word just. The word equitable means to be fair, impartial, unbiased, and unprejudiced. There are many times where I've heard people say with my own ears, or I've seen them type something on social media, and they'll say things like, God is not fair. This situation that I am in is not fair. What I've gone through is not fair. Right? But if we go back to we thinking about Romans chapter 8, like we talked about last week, how all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not us, our personal good, but the good of things that God has given to us. We know that fair might not be the most accurate word for us to use to define our circumstances. It is not a good enough word to our, it is not a proper word to articulate how, maybe how, I mean, maybe how you feel, but not how it actually is. Someone said this, perception is everything. And no, that's more of a subjective term, but what it means is the way that people will view life and view them cir their circumstances will be how they view their entire situation. And the, the purpose of this whole construction your thoughts portion of this series is to make sure you have a good, proper understanding, a biblical, a biblical understanding of how to view life and how to view the word and how to view God and how to view your circumstances because that could really change the entire atmosphere of how you live your life. Because what? Because a thought leads to an action and an action leads to a habit and a habit leads to what inevitably becomes your nature, right? And so it's important for us to realize these things. So let's look at that word fair real quickly because the only thing that's fair would be for us to go to an eternal hell. You realize that, right? If you look at your life and you say the, you say the phrase, I, th that or what I'm going through is not fair, you don't even realize that 
it's, it is not fair, but not on your half, on the other half. Because we don't even realize that what's, what's fair is for us to receive zero grace when we've trespassed against God. May I remind you that the Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and have come short of his righteousness, right? Which means that if God is the standard of perfection, no one else, that's why you're not able to work your way to heaven. Because God is the only standard of perfection. And so if you've ever done anything wrong, period, if I lie one time, that makes me a liar. If I, if I, when I was in fifth grade, I used to get off the school bus in New York, and me and my friends, we used to rob the candy store every single day until the bus driver caught us. It was only a baby bottle pop, but it was still stealing, which made me a thief. You understand? You see where I'm going? All it takes is for one of these different things in order for you to be unqualified. You may say it was only one time or it was something small. Understand that God has never done wrong. Heaven is only for a place that can, that for people who, or, or for entities that can be without blemish. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm only 27. I'll be 28 next month. I'm only 27 years old. But I've done so much wrong, it's crazy. I could probably, if hell rolls over, I could probably rekindle it myself. You know why? Because sin, no matter how small, is magnified in the eyes of God. You understand that, right? And so what's fair for us is for us to make sure that we understand that there is, what's fair is for us to receive zero grace when we've trespassed against God. But that's not what happened, is it? God said, I commended my love toward you and that while you were yet sinners, I'm going to send my son to die for you. And I, understand that, and I understand that the wages of your sin is eternal death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to extend grace to you even though you don't deserve it. What's unfair is for us, the only thing that's fair for us is for us to receive the full punishment of the law. And not any mercy. But we know that God not only extended mercy to us by getting us to not have to spend an eternity in the devil's hell, but he continued. The Bible says that, that God's mercies are anew every morning. That you literally get a fresh batch of mercy every single day. And we were talking about this a little bit last week as we were talking about what's true. As we may say, it's unfair, but you woke up today. Listen to me, I got bad allergies, but look, I can breathe through both nostrils today. That's a blessing. I've, I'm 2300 in my right eye, but I've got glasses that help me to correct my vision. It's a blessing. And if we really sat back and counted our blessings like the song, the, the hymn that we sing in church, we realize that we've got so much, we're actually spoiled. We're actually spoiled. But the first time anything goes wrong in our lives, what do we do? We start throwing around the word unfair. That's unfair. How can God be good? And you know what? That's funny because we, don't, we forget to realize that the God on the mountaintop is still the same God in the valley. He's still the same God in the valley. And we talked about this before, is the reason why I believe we may have different ailments or we go through different hardships or different trials is because if you will look at people who seemingly have everything, they have everything but God. And I believe one of the wholehearted reasons why there is still, besides the fact that sin has affected the universe, but that's another story for another day. Besides that, 
the reason why we may go through things still is because if we were if lived perfect lives, we wouldn't need God. We wouldn't need him. And we do need him. We need to understand that. And so I think it's important for us to realize that what's unfair is that God had to bankrupt heaven for you. That's unfair. Well, God saving me, we talked about this before. God is saving me from a hell he's sending me to. No, God is saving you from a hell that you're sending yourself to. Because if you checked your Bible and read what it said, you'd find out that the devil, that the hell wasn't created for you. It was created for the devil and his angels. By us falling in, by us sinning, we now, you got to go somewhere. You got to go somewhere. And by us falling short of God's glory, for us missing the mark in that word sin, that created now a space for us to now go there. So God is like, all right, great. One of us has to go. One of us is going to have to go down there and save them from themselves. From the sin that, 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 that so easily besets you. That's unfair. What's unfair was the fact that it was your nails and your cross. And it was your spit and your beating and it was your crown of thorns. It was all of that stuff. All the stuff that Jesus went through on the, on the hill to Golgotha. On the road to Golgotha. And he, that was all yours. I don't know about you guys, and I, I know that I've been saved 14 years, been ordained a couple years, been licensed a few years, got six years of Bible college. You know what's funny? I still sin all the time. I still got to go to God and ask God for forgiveness all the time. And guess what happens? Every time I fall short, is another reason why he had to put another nail on his wrist. It's another reason why they had to drop him in that hole and dislocate every joint in his body. It's another reason why he had to suffocate on that cross. And that's just me alone. I'm not even counting y'all. Tell me how that's fair. And if we look back in the grand scheme of things that God had to send the king of kings and the Lord of lords to be born in the most humble way possible, to live his entire life to die for the very same people that would put him on the cross is unfair. And for us to be able to get a good, balanced understanding of developing a mindset of what is just, because if we, and this is not even the only aspect of it, fair is not even the only aspect of being just, but do you see how that alone can really shift your mindset and the way that you live your life? If you'll say, man, this situation that I'm in stinks, but God is good because I deserve a lot worse. That's just thinking. What's fair is that I should have deserved way more than what I'm going through right now, but God is good. I love that passage that Pastor, that uh, uh, Brother Howard read, read today in Psalm 30. Let, let all who love the Lord say continually, the Lord be magnified. It's hard. It's easy when things are going well and, and things are going well for you and you and you got a good life and all that stuff is going on and you, and you can really be like, whoa, I'm having a great time to say, man, God's good because you're going through good times. But what about when you're going through the valley? You know, the first thing that usually goes is our faith. The first thing that usually goes is our faith. We start, immediately we start to doubt God. How can God be good? How can God really care about me? How can... 
That's not just thinking. That's not fair. That's not fair. And in an ironic way, that is exactly the same reason why we need him. Is because we have a tendency to forget God in the good times and then blame him for the struggles and the bad ones. How is that fair? Especially when we are showered in blessings every single day. And the one time we go through something, by the way, your storms that you go through in your life are only to make you better. James chapter 1, and, I, and my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation. Talk about various trials. But the trying of your faith it ends up making you to have patience and to be more spiritually mature. It's, it's, to, it's to help grow you. It's to help grow you. You go through a trial in your life, and this may be your start goal, but you know what happens? You go through a situation in life, and God says, okay, I need you to step out on faith right now so that I can bring you to the next level. And we finally go, and we take a step forward. And then God says, great, I'm proud of you. Way to be faithful. And then he takes the knob on the heat index and turn it up just a little bit more to where you are now going to have to demonstrate faith again, and you're going to take a step forward. And then he says, good, I'm proud of you. Good job. Way to be faithful. All right. Time to turn it up a little bit more. And you go through it again. You take another step and then turns it in another step. And before you know what, you're cooking at 400 degrees Fahrenheit. But you know what kind of, but if, if you started there and you keep on doing that, that, little, that little faith growing mechanism that's going on right now, look how far you've come. And if you can learn that it's in your weakness where God is strong, you become one of the strongest forces you know. Because sometimes God has to strip us to the place where we are raw emotionally and raw spiritually and raw intellectually. And he has to strip us down to the point where we have to forfeit all that we thought we knew and all that we think that we understood and all the strength we thought we had to say, God, I can't do it. It has to be you. Then you'll see some things being done in your life. Because guess what? Some of the reasons why you can't see God work in your life is because you're in your own way. You're in your own way. Paul said, I besought the Lord thrice to remove the thorn in my flesh. And the Lord said, nay, but my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. When you are weak is when you're really strong. Xavier can't do jack. Not in his own power. I was struggling with anxiety this morning. I had to pray and say, Lord, I need you to help me today because I'm, I'm going through it. And you know what? I've, been, I've preached dozens upon dozens upon dozens of times. And my hands still sweat, and my knees still buckle, and my heart still races. And I would say, I don't ever ask God to remove that nervous feeling from me. I never do, not a single time. Because it reminds me that I need him. You know why I, you know why I'm, you know, you notice that I spend a lot of time down here when I'm preaching? I step away from those notes on purpose. Because I want God to do it. I want him to speak. What are you saying? What's all the, what's the purpose of all of that? What I'm trying to tell you is that, if you develop a mindset that is not only true and honest, but just, and under the bar of being just, that fair mentality, you realize that God has definitely been unfair to you. Definitely been. But in the wrong way that you were thinking. He's been unfair in the sense that he keeps digging himself down lower so that you can be elevated in your life. That's unfair. You got to make sure that you 
get yourself in a, in a space that you think about what actually is fair. It's not only fair, but it, it's impartial. Being just is not only thinking about what's fair, but being impartial. You know what makes God amazing? Is that God is no respecter of persons. Pastor, what do you mean? He doesn't care if you're tall or short. He doesn't care if you're skinny or heavy. He doesn't care if you're black, white, blue, magenta. He doesn't care what you look like or what you sound like. He doesn't care what language you speak. He doesn't care what barriers it goes up. He does not care. Listen to me, y'all. He does not care about your sexual orientation. God cares about you at your root. He says, salvation in me is non-contingent upon anything that you can do or anything that you can be. Now, we should live our lives for him to honor him and to glorify him. He says, listen to me, the re I, I died for you. The least you can do is live for me. But he says, uh, under that scope, I'm impartial to everything else. There are no prerequisites to salvation. He says, if you want it, ask. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, period. He does not care about anything else. But what about this that I've gone through? God's like, I don't care. What about this that I've done? I don't care. What about where I'm at? I don't care. You can get your soul settled, and we'll take care of all the other stuff later. And by the way, I am not the agent that is in charge of making sure that you are sanctified. The Holy Spirit that comes unto you in salvation is the one that does that. And as you walk and commune with God and get closer to him, he will show you the things in your heart that's going to help you to become better for him. That's beautiful. But he says for us to be impartial. James tells us not to have respect of person, which means favoritism. He talks about how sometimes, and listen to me, y'all do it. Y'all do it, and I do it, and we got to watch it. Is we can look at someone, and we may say, wow, he looks good. He's clean cut. He's sharp. He's, he's got a nice suit on, or he... He has, you know, he looks well put together. His nails are clean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We look at all these different things, and we kind of, we don't realize it because that's how we're naturally built. But people walk into church, or we walk into our lives at work or at home, or we're going out, and we naturally will size people up. I watch ladies do it to each other all the time. Yeah, girl, and I see, yeah, uh -huh, I know that's going on, uh-huh. But I know, um, you know what I'm saying? We do, we do a good job of sizing people up all the time, and we strip them down physically and emotionally, and we think we know them. And people walk in, and, and instead of saying, like, wow, I'm going to love them because they're a person, and the Lord says for me to love my neighbor, and everyone is my neighbor, it should not matter what they look like. It should not matter how many people walk into this church and they have a whole sleeve of tattoos. I don't care if they have 9,000 piercings. We don't, you don't look at somebody differently because that's not of God. We're so good. I've heard someone, listen to me, I've heard someone, I've, since I've been here, they came to this church one time, and I remember walked in, and he had a whole bunch of tattoos on And I was like, man, good to see you. And he was saying, he's like, man, that's really, I was really shocked. And he was like, what do you mean? He was like, because I was afraid that when I walked in here, people were going to judge me and look at me weird. He says, your church was so kind to me today. And that's one thing that I love to champion about Orlando Baptist Temple is that y'all are so loving. I love it. I love it. I'm glad to be a part of this family. But we got to make sure that it's not in church doing it because we're supposed to, but we do it because we love people. 
He says not to be respect of persons. I don't care what they look like. You love them because you're supposed to. That's a game changer. You want to develop a mindset that is just, you can't be impartial. You got to, you, excuse me, you got to be partial. You can't be, you, you, got, you can't be partial. You got to be impartial. You got to make sure that no matter who you see or what they have going on, so just as well as somebody can walk into this church with their high heels on and their dress and their hair is nice all done, just as well as somebody can walk into this church with a tie or a collared shirt or some nice, you know, Chelsea boots on, it doesn't matter what they're wearing or what they look like. The same person that walked into this church that smells like urine and dirt and their hair is greasy and messy, you have a spiritual obligation to treat them just the same way as you treated those other people. While we're walking on, listen to me, I told you I was going to be all up in your business, and I'm not sorry. All right. We have to make sure that we, individually, as we are trying to construct our thoughts to become more, right? Because this is the character under construction series, right? Trying to become more like Christ, right? We have to make sure that us in our minds not only develop a mindset that is true and honest, but one that's just, just being fair. Just being impartial. I says, Lord, I don't care what's going on. I'm going to love people. I'm going to love. And check this out. It's not only being impartial to people. It's being impartial to your circumstances. What does that mean? It doesn't matter how hard life gets for me. God is still good. It doesn't matter how good. Listen to me, y'all. I'm telling you. I'm saying this. I'm on recording right now. You hear me? You have a better chance of hell freezing over than for me to recant my faith. You understand? Won't do it. I'm too deep. I'm too deep. The roots are too deep. There's no, nothing you can say. Nothing you can say that can, that can shake me. Nothing. And I don't say that in pride. I say that because of the, the Lord that keeps me bound. But that's going to require us to live impartial lives. To have our minds in a space that says no matter what happens, God's still good. No matter what happens, I'm supposed to love people. No matter what happens, I'm going to still carry my cross. No matter what happens, I'm going to die daily. No matter what happens. Because let me tell you something about storms. The good thing about storms, listen to me. If you're in this room right now, I don't know who you are. If you're in this room right now and you're going through it in any way, shape, or form, listen to me. This is the one truth you need to know about your storms. All storms have to pass. All storms pass. A couple weeks ago, we had that party for Miss Jackie, and we got her some tulips. You know those tulips can't grow without rain? You know that? It's going to take those storms that's going to inevitably make you so much better and so much stronger. It's just like lifting weights spiritually and emotionally. It's going through those things that's going to help you to become stronger in the end. And as you grow your faith and temperature, by the way, by the way, standing here, Michael, come here for a second. Stand right here. Now, this, is, this may be where I am spiritually, right? But the me, remember at the beginning, I started right here. Y'all remember that? I started right here. The me right here can't handle the me that's over there. Do you understand? The me right here would crumble under the circumstances of the me right there. Who's over there? Zoe, stand up really quickly. I'm sorry. I don't want to embarrass you. Just stand, just stand in the aisle for me. All right? The me right here can't handle the me right there, but the me right there can't handle the me right there. The farther you go in this faith walk, the stronger you become. The more you are able to handle. 
you only go through things. Listen to me. First off, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. It's not in the Bible. You know that, right? God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not true. That's not true. Thank you, guys. What is true is that God is the strength for the things that you can't handle so that you can handle them. What are you trying to say? I may not be able to move this pew by myself, but if I have enough helpers, I can move this whole thing down the block if I need to. Because you haven't tapped into your true strength until you tapped into God. And my grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And you know what? That's helped me. And listen to me, I'm not perfect by any means. I hope y'all know that. I try to make sure you know that. I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I'm on any higher pedestal than you are. I think that I'm here because God placed me here, but I am not better than anybody else. But what I am telling you is that I handle my problems way different when I learned that God's got it. When I saw my Bible, when the Bible says that the Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. When I saw that the Bible said to be still and know that I am God. When I saw that he said that my strength is made perfect. When I saw that his name was Jehovah Jireh, which means he's a God who provides. I cannot trust him to take care of my situation. When I saw that he was God, Jehovah Rapha, who is a God who heals, I realized that if it's his will, he will take care of that ailment that I'm going through. Listen to me. When you learn that God is the one that can do it, take your hands off. And that's how your faith grows. Oh, this situation is trash, but God's got it. And in the end, I'm going to be stronger. You sing that song, right? For when I am tried and glorified, I shall come forth as gold. That's Bible. That's in the book of Job. Because gold doesn't become pure, doesn't become pure gold without going through the fire first. It's got to be put under some serious heat and melted down, and the imperfections rises to the top, and they've got to clean those imperfections off and then heat it up to that melting point again and clean it off until in that silver they can see their face in it. Because it's so pure, you really want to. See, you realize that you realize that your that your storms are only mechanisms to help you stronger. Number one, God gets glory, glory from your life. Number two, you now go. Anybody in here ever gone through something? Anybody raise your hand. Let me see him. Anybody ever gone through something? This is a whole room. Check this out. Every single one of you that have just raised your hand that has gone through something, you are now equipped to help someone else in that very same situation. Did you realize that? The fact that I grew up without a father qualifies me to help people who have no father. Going through situations, listen to me. Brother Jelani's mom is going through cancer right now. And whether she lives through this or whether she doesn't, he is now going to be able to be equipped to help people to walk that same path. You've lost a child. You are now able to help someone who is grieving through that. You see what I'm saying? Trials are, we, we are so simple focused sometimes. If you step back and look at life through heavenly lenses, you realize that every single thing that you've gone through now is, a, is another notch in your superhero belt that can now help others through the very same thing. Oh, I went through that. I can show you what I did to help me eventually get through it. You know that's wisdom. It's taking the knowledge that you've been given, whether it be through good circumstances or bad ones, to now apply it to your lives and the lives of others around you. But you know what? It's going to take you to be impartial. Some people in this room today need to, whether in your seat or at an old-fashioned altar, say, God, I have not had a just mindset. 
I've been thinking about how life is so unfair for me. And listen to me, I'm not downplaying any of your situations because people go through real things. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is not that you can't go through it and feel the emotion that you feel with it because you're human. What I am saying is that understand that your ability on how you get through it has to change. God, I've been, God, I've been dwelling on what's unfair. And God, I've been thinking about how, how I, I, haven't been, I haven't been impartial. I've been, I, haven't been, I haven't been consistent in my faith, in my walk. I haven't been consistent in the way that I treat others or how I've allowed others to treat me. I haven't been consistent in the way that I've, that I've, that I've lived my life. It's not only fair, it's not only impartial. Being just requires you to be innocent. Being just requires you to be innocent. Innocent means non-involvement in an event that transgressed against another, right? I have two friends here, Michael and Hannah, right? Let's say, let's say Michael does something that really hurts Hannah, right? And Hannah's trying to figure out what the proper punishment for him, right? And so what I, so they may say, okay, pastor, what do we do? How do we get through this? You know what? They can come to me because I am the innocent one in the party. Someone has been transgressed against. Someone has done the transgression. And then there's a third party that has no involvement at all that was now able to step in. Church, you see where I'm going? God being just, right, being innocent, was the one who said, okay, you sinned, and you actually sinned against me. Christ said, okay, I can step in because I am just. I am innocent to the situation. We have to develop a mindset that says, hey, I got to make sure that I am a space that the word innocent speaks of being blameless. You want to have a just mindset? You want to live a, a life that, that has that in it? You've got to learn to practice being blameless. To practice being blameless. What do you mean? No fault against. What's your testimony like? Huh? What's your testimony like? What kind of, what kind of life have you lived? What's beautiful about the life that you lived is that it doesn't matter anymore in Christ. The life that you live now was what matters. And God cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But you have to practice now being blameless without fault. Without fault. And work on living a life that is one that brings God honor, one that brings God glory. So it not only requires you to be innocent, but being just requires you to be holy. Being just requires you to be holy. The word holy is a, by scriptural definition means to be set apart. To be set apart from the world and to Christ. You, if you're trying to develop a, if you're trying to put your, your, your thoughts under construction, right? You're trying to put your thoughts under construction. You're trying to be the best that you can be for Christ so that you can live a victorious Christian life. It's going to take you to not only live what's, think on what's true, Think on what's honest, but think on what's just in the aspect of you have to live, think of on your mind of what's holy. Are you really listening to God? Are you spending time, listen to me, because us praying is how we speak to God, but reading his word is how he speaks to us, right? Predominantly. And through that, the Holy Spirit working in us, he speaks to us, right? How good are you, how good have you been at listening to him? Because if you learn, because right, the Bible says in first in Ephesians chapter four, verse thirty, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What he's saying is this: you learn to listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. That's how you live a holy and set apart life. 
When the Spirit speaks to you and says, man, you should not be at this place right now. You shouldn't be here. And you ignore it, taking a step back. When he says, hey, you should go witness to that person because they need to hear about me and you choose not to, taking a step back. See, the truth is many of us get on our knees and we cry and say, God, God, I want to see you work in my life. And God, I want to see you. But we don't mean it. We don't mean it. Because the moment he starts to speak to us, if it is in any way possible that we don't like it or we're not comfortable, we won't do it. And if that's the case, you have not really yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit. You have not yielded yourself to God. He says you want to be holy and set apart. You got you to gotta change your worldview from being a secular or a worldly worldview to being a biblical and a holy worldview. How do you do that? You Listen to me. It takes a long time to grow as a Christian. That's why he told us in Hebrews that it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a, it's, it's, you take your time. You got to pace yourself. But the best way you want to grow and develop that holy mentality, that holy lifestyle, listen to me, it doesn't mean you're perfect. But trying to be in pursuit of God, it takes every day dying daily to yourself. It takes every day picking up your cross and following him. Every day. To say, God, today. I don't know what today holds. I'm not sure what's going to happen. But I need to be the best I can be for you today. Help me in the way that I speak to people. How I speak to my spouse. How do I speak to my kids. Help me how I speak to my coworkers. Help me in my attitude. Help me in my, men my mentality. Help me to be the best that I can be. Help me to not walk around being grumpy or to be or acting angry. Help me to get rid of this bitterness, Lord. Help give me an out for this depression, God. Help me to do what I need to do in order to be the, on the best shape I can be. And listen to me. It's just day by day. If you think that, okay, today is Sunday, I got to make it to next Sunday, you're going to fall. Why are you wishing that on me? I'm just being transparent. That's too much. You worry about today. What does the Bible say? Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow will take thought for itself. You work on being the best you that you can be today. You work on being closer to God today. You work on that holiness today. You want to develop that just mindset. Being just is saying, wow, I have to make sure that I am acting in the proper way. Being righteous, right? Thinking right, doing right, dwelling in the right places. You're going to need that. You want to develop that mindset that gets you to bring you further, right? Because your thoughts, again, y'all going to have this memorized by the time I'm done saying it. It's your thoughts that lead to an action, and your actions lead to a habit, and your habit leads to what's inevitably your nature. Because check this out. If you're having a hard time, check this out, right? Because that's how it works, right? Thoughts, actions, habits, nature, right? If you're starting right now, you got to think every day, I got to be faithful. I got to be faithful. I got to be faithful. It then be starts becoming a habit. You may not have to say I got to be faithful all the time, but you're starting to do it a little bit more without having to think about it. And then it becomes your, your nature to where you're walking by faith, and you don't even got to think about it. You're going through a situation, the first thing that you think of it is I got to pray. I got I to gotta seek the Lord's face on it. You're going through a situation, and you're going through a storm, you, already, you automatically think, well, God's got it. I'm good. God will provide. God will heal. God will provide victory. You're thinking these things, and it's not that, because you know what I'm talking about, right? There's that inner battle when stuff goes on, like, oh, what do I do? I'm, I'm panicking. Uh. And instead of doing that, you just naturally do it. Just walking by faith. Walking by faith. No alone. Trusting and fighting in the day long. From no harm safe. Just walking. 
becomes easier. Life does not become easier, but it becomes more easy to depend on God. You understand what I'm saying? So really, quick, so really quickly, why is it important to think on what's just, right? Constructing your thoughts, we have to make sure that we have this locked in really quickly, okay? It's dwelling on what's fair. Dwelling on what's fair will keep your situations in perspective. Dwelling on what's fair will keep your situations in perspective. Remember, we're talking about, in the grand scheme of things, us in comparison to God and our circumstances. But if we realize that we are blessed and that we have gotten more than we've deserve your perspective for when things go sour for you for a little while by the way does not shift God is still good dwelling on fear will keep your situations in perspective dwelling on what's innocent keeps you to stay above reproach it keeps you from getting into trouble it keeps you from dwelling amongst the wolves that may dwell among the people right the Bible says that there are wolves that dwell among the sheep they, they act like they're the people of God but they're not it helps you from falling into things like gossip groups and it falls you into being a scorner and standing in the way of sinners and sitting in the seat of the scornful. That stops you from being in all of that stuff, right? Being innocent, dwelling on a mindset that seeks to be innocent, keeps you above reproach. It keeps you blameless. Dwelling on homeliness keeps you from being driven out by your flesh and increasing your capacity for sin. What does the Bible say? When a man is tempted, let him not say that he is tempted of God, but he is tempted when he is drawn out by his own lusts and tempted. If you, learn, if you learn to dwell on what's holy, it keeps you from being drawn out of the light and into darkness. If you say, I got to keep my mind on that because that's holy. I got to keep my mind. I got to be, I got to not be in these places because, because those, aren't, those aren't holy. Those aren't going to honor and glorify God. If you continually work on those different things and casting yourself before God in a sense that says, okay, I want to be where you are. I want to be as close to you as possible. That's going to minimize your chances of falling into sin. Dwelling on what's righteous is how you don't, it keeps you, uh, decreases your capacity to do wrong. Check this out, and I'm done. I want to be transparent. I'm not going to ask you to open your, I'm not going to ask you to close your eyes. I want you to be transparent with me, okay? Is there anyone in here that sometimes finds themselves doing wrong? Anybody? You find yourself doing wrong. All the time. Pastor, why are you asking me that? Check this out. If I am someone who is having a struggle with doing something wrong, the way that you overcome it is not think, I got to not do wrong today. Can you see how that can apply a lot of pressure to you? All right, I got to make sure I don't, I don't go. If you're walking, right, you got, anybody, anybody can't walk as far as, like, you tripping over stuff all the time? I'm I appreciate your transparency. I don't got to think, okay, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip, don't trip. Inevitably, I'm going to trip because I'm overthinking, right? How do you walk right? How do you, how do you just walk? Just walk. Just think I got to just walk right. I got to walk right. I don't got to think about not walk. I don't got to think about walking wrong. Just walk right. Just walk. Right? The way that you overcome the wrong in your life is not dwelling every day, I've got to get rid of this sin. I've got to get rid of this sin. I've got to get rid of this weight. I've got to get rid of this weight. No. You just cleave to what's right. You just cleave to what's right. I don't got to say, well, you know what? I have a hard time with cussing. I'm going to have a conversation. Okay, don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss, don't cuss. Ah, uh, cuss. Right? No. 
just just talk. Just try to construct proper thoughts. Not thinking about dwelling on what's wrong and it's inevitably going to help you to do wrong. You just got to think on what's right. That's why this is important to understand. You're living this life, right? And you're trying to get your thoughts under control because anybody in here, I don't know about you guys, but my thoughts are my biggest battleground, right? You want to construct those proper thoughts. We still got about four more categories to cover in the next coming weeks. But you think on what's true, helps you not fall into a lie. You think on what's honest, keeps you from being deceived. You think on what's just, keeps you in the right perspective for doing right. And looking at your circumstances. Like, this is going to be a well-rounded, a well-balanced diet. So if you want to hear the rest of it, you're going to have to come back. Let's pray.